0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brading and I'm here with Sophos experts Paul Ducklin. Hello folks. And Matt Boddy.
1: Hello world.
0: Mark's away this week. Nicely done. Yeah,
1: see that? I like that.
0: Mark's away this week which means he's missing this special festive end of the year podcast. Merry Christmas guys, what have you been up to this week?
2: My favourite programming language is Lua. And I have been creating my own build that has all my favorite modules and libraries pre-compiled in, so I just need one binary to rule them all. And although that sounds very boring, I have enjoyed it greatly. Compiling stuff. I have been
1: playing around with honeypots, specifically Cowrie honeypots, and I have been trying to get all of the data from certain Cowrie honeypots into the Elastic Stack, which means playing around with uh, things like Logstash, into elastic search and a and cowrie
2: caban. is a sea snail of sorts that is in a shell that has a... It's easy to, for things to go in and then they can't easily get out. And I then assume. It them. it's a funny name for a honeypot. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. If you're measuring what happens when crooks or hackers try to get in, you need to make sure that they can't get out and do terrible harm. Exactly, because you don't want to
1: actually be part of a botnet inadvertently <laughs> no. by setting up your honeypot
2: yeah i'm going to become part of the problem rather than part of its solution yeah exactly well we look forward to the results i've got a, an inkling of what you're trying to measure i'm not going to spoil it here but i'm certainly looking forward to what you come back with in the new year so sure. good luck with that thank you
0: this week instead of looking at the last seven days of security use we thought we'd go over three security topics of the last year and we thought we'd start with data breaches It seems like we read about a different data breach every day. This year, we've seen some pretty big ones. Uh, We've seen Marriott, Air Canada, Quora, T-Mobile, Facebook. Is anything still private at all? Does anyone even care about their data anymore?
2: That is an interesting question, isn't it? Because we've had all these huge breach stories. We're starting to see that... PR machines of the world go crazy. Now it's holiday season of the worst breaches of 2018, as though you can put them in order. You could have a breach that affected five people. And if you're one of those five people and the crooks got your credit card and drained your bank account, you're going to be pretty annoyed. Whereas it could be a breach with potentially 500 million users, but not much happened. What I think's
1: really interesting about this past year of data breaches being revealed to us is that actually perhaps these data breaches haven't ever, aren't new. Perhaps this is just the first time they're actually being disclosed or first time that they're not being brushed under the carpet as much as perhaps they previously were. Now, I'm not saying that all of these huge companies would have brushed data breaches under the carpet, just that perhaps because because there's more general awareness to cybersecurity and the regulatory side that says thou shalt disclose, precisely with, with the likes of GDPR up and coming, I told myself I wouldn't mention that in
2: this 2018 in review. <laughs> It is your legal obligation, so you might as well come out and tell everybody what you know, rather than wait until the regulator comes out and invites everyone to speculate because they haven't figured it out yet. If you are a company, no matter the size, if you
1: work for a company, no matter the size, it is important to make sure you understand everything about the breach and tell all of your customers about exactly what's happened. And when companies don't do that with the likes of Uber, for instance, where they did brush it under the carpet... Um, They got into big trouble for that. They got into huge trouble. And that's probably Mm. one of the biggest stories of 2018 is that, in fact, disclosing breaches is good. Giving as much information as you possibly can is good. And not disclosing them
2: and brushing them under the carpet is is a terrible idea. If you figure out that there might be something going on, you might as well fess up to it, which is sort of the position, I guess, that... Swing low, sweet Marriott, find themselves in right now, isn't it? You <laughs> know, the, on, do
0: the song, Doug.
2: Swing low, sweet Marriott, carrying my data back
0: home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it made me think Brilliant. about it. You know, and I got the email from Starwood Hotels. I don't even ever remember staying in a Starwood Hotel... And the list's rather long, so there could be a Starwood property that that I didn't realise was owned, belonged to them, or it may be that just because many years ago I did a series of trips from Oz to the US and stayed in Marriotts, that I'm just on their general list, and they're letting me know out of what's often called an abundance of caution. The email I got is not very useful because it's kind of I'm really sorry, we don't actually know yet, but it is as close to the truth as I think they can get. Did they and say I, your security is important to them? They they didn't trot out any of the usual truisms. They just said, look, we are truly sorry that this happened. And they are being honest and saying we kind of have to assume the worst. So 500 million people were affected, apparently, a huge number. And I think they've decided that at most, 327 million of those, still a huge number, the crooks could have got away with some PII, personally identifiable information. But exactly what they got... Maybe they'll never find out. So all they can really do is say, look, here are some of the general things you can do about watching your account, signing up for fraud monitoring, which we're willing to sponsor in some countries for the year. And I always feel sorry for them because they can't fix it. The time that they could have fixed it was preventatively in 2013, and that didn't happen. So let's all learn from that and make sure that we're doing the work now so that in 2019, 2020, 2021 and beyond, we're not in the same position. Absolutely. It's quite interesting to look at
1: Marriott in, in order to see how you discover a data breach in your environment. So they discovered the data breach on the 8th of September 2018, yeah. and they discovered it when... A security tool of theirs, they've said, um, alerted them to an access request to a guest um, reservation database. So somebody tried to log into this database, and the security tool alerted them to the fact that that was happening. At which point, it's a very slow to,
2: trigger alarm. Yeah, it took four it years
1: to go off, but it did go off in the end. Precisely. Well, perhaps it's perhaps it's the the incoming of new technology that was able to point this out to them. To actually have the logs to discover that, that this account was still being used in 2014 is quite an oppressive log collection time. Yeah. I don't think I keep my logs for that long, for sure.
2: <laughs> Maybe they could have looked at them more thoroughly a yeah. little bit sooner. But I think a lot of people kind of imagine that all breaches, when they happen, are going to be obvious. That they're kind of like ransomware. You wake up one morning and all your data's scrambled and it's pretty obvious that crooks have been in. And in a way, although we say, oh, ransomware is absolutely terrible, is it actually worse than realising like Marriott have that you've had maybe a keylogger or data stealer or crooks rummaging around for years? At least with ransomware, you kind of know where you stand or fall. So I guess that's where we need not to be in the future with data breaches is these very, very long running breaches where the crooks are in there and doing who knows what for ages
1: all security advice is important and, and it's not. there's not a one fix to fix a security, to, to stop security breaches in your environment. There's lots and lots of things, lots
2: of pieces to this puzzle that come together. Maybe in a kind of backhanded way, the stories that have come out this year are all quite good. Because like you said, it kind of shows that this is not getting swept under the carpet anymore. We're confronting this stuff. Let's start from the worst position and let's let's defend on that basis and then let's work out whether we can stand down from blue alert rather than doing it the other way around where you just go, oh, don't worry, she'll be right because very often she won't be.
0: Talking of breaches, uh, Facebook had a kind of data breach this year. Well, it was a data breach, wasn't it? What happened there?
1: Interestingly, it is a privacy feature that unfortunately had an abuse to its security. Yeah. So this show, this kind of is a clear demonstration of the separation between privacy and security now, and how they're getting further and further apart as kind of different fields in their own right, in my opinion. But, well, I think
2: it was it was meant to be a security feature that turned into yeah. a security nightmare.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 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 it's yeah, it's a way of seeing who could see what's on your profile if they're if it's just. Uh, somebody viewing your profile from the outside with no access to Facebook, yeah. somebody viewing your profile as a friend, and so on and so forth. But there were three bugs that were exploited here. Firstly, uh, what Facebook have said is that somebody uh, found a way to post a video using the view, view as function, and it was supposed to be a read-only function. Mm, there was yeah. supposed to be no write access. Then after they'd posted a, uh, a video, this actually generated a security token, which has permissions to the mobile app. And then the third bug, um, which came out of this was that that security token didn't just give access to read via this view access function. It also gave access to be
2: able to write. So it gave you yeah. full access to so the account. So basically I log in as me, which could be a temporary account that I've created. Yeah. I view, I set up some stuff. I do a view as map body. Yeah. And with a little bit of trickery in the background, I can turn view as into turn myself into precisely. And then I'm kind of you and I can go. Looking through your pictures, your stuff, I can I can even post it to you, right? Precisely. So well, you, I could. Yeah, but they to, fixed it pretty quickly once it came out. Didn't well, it? what they did is they just completely removed the view as function. So they removed
1: the view as function. And totally. still not back. It's still not back. So if you look up, if you actually, so I was I was rereading the uh, the Facebook data breach notification today, oh. and uh, <laughs> just before this to brush up on it. And uh, and as I Googled Facebook view as the first few links that come up say, where's view as gone? I really want access to it back. So there are a few people that are still wanting to <laughs> I wonder if those function. people
2: want it for privacy or they want it because they figure, hey, I want to read Matt Body's private pictures. That is a very <laughs> good question. <laughs> yeah. It was
0: quite handy for privacy, though. It was quite good to be able to see yeah, it. No, it's a great
2: idea. In. It's a good indication if Facebook hasn't put this feature back yet that programming this kind of thing correctly is probably quite hard. Presumably the hackers who found this were the first people to try that particular sequence and they tried many such sequences knowing that sooner or later they might get lucky and they did.
0: It's not been a great year for Facebook, has it, with Cambridge Analytica?
2: Oh, no, it hasn't. The Cambridge comes from University of Cambridge, yeah. as I understand it, and they used that as a, as a kind of legitimisation. My understanding is it was a Facebook app, which is kind of like a plugin that you it was supposed to do psychometric tests now, I'll spare everyone my opinion of psychometric <laughs> testing. But the idea was that they would collect data from you, would answer all these surprisingly intimate questions. And of course, when you unsubscribe from this Facebook plugin or the app, you didn't uncollect the data. And if you'd read the small print really carefully, you would have known that what you're doing is you're handing this stuff over and they would or could commercialize it. And of course, because of the scale of it, and the fact that allegedly some of this data was used for politica manipulative purposes Facebook sort of got thrown under the bus understandably because people said you know what even though it wasn't even though it was Cambridge Analytica that took the data and misused it you should not have made it so easy for them to collect this kind of stuff and you shouldn't have let them do it under this kind of imprimatur of Facebook so even though it kind of wasn't Facebook's fault yet it was and that really embroiled them in a huge scandal, didn't it?
1: So what does this mean for any company that has publicly accessible APIs? You really need to start being careful with who you work with.
2: The only way you don't have to worry about copies that might go missing is not to allow the copies to be made. Take steps that prevent the copies happening in the first place. And maybe, you know, that's where we're going with APIs that give access to data. Um, I suppose something that GDPR is trying to address by saying, you know, you need to be aware of how you share. I think GDPR has been really
1: good for that because if I, I feel like if I would have emailed a company, a legitimate company last year to say if you have any personal data on me, please delete it straight away. I feel like last year I probably would have got not very far with that. Whereas this year I've I kinda of, I've got a bit more of a certain feeling that if I were to say that to a company and possibly reference GDPR I'd I'd feel a lot more sure that they'd actually delete that
2: data and they'd feel seriously about it. What we really need is a world where personal data or data collection is opt-in. You know, opt-out is not the internet we want. And we're kind of getting there now with GDPR saying, no, you can't have a form with boxes already ticked and say, or tick this box if you do not wish to receive our marketing Mm. material, which is a little bit cheesy and cheeky. And you can't do that anymore. And also that you can't ask people basically to give away more data than it's reasonable for you to collect. You know, in other words, there are some rights that you can't just tick a box and then, okay, well, now it's okay. I can collect your passport number even though I don't need it because I might find it useful in the future. If you haven't got a need for it, you shouldn't be collecting it. You're not allowed to collect it. And you should jolly well know that you're not even allowed to ask for it. And for all that GDPR, there's been quite a lot of pain for some companies to comply with it. To me, it does mark that switch from a largely opt out world to one which is hopefully much more opt in. So once again, we're coming
1: back round to the Marriott data breach. It, they've had access since 20, 2014, as far as we know. Uh, and the, the Facebook data breach, or the sorry, not data breach, there's the Facebook Cambridge Analytica app. This is this has kind of come about from a from an old mentality of thinking about things, probably from um, before 2014, I imagine. Uh, these types, it kind of all goes to show. It all kind of point, points towards you need to be thinking about the future when you're setting up any application, when you're setting up any business, when you're setting up any infrastructure.
2: Yeah, and so I can understand why people are going. Yeah, so Cambridge Analytica were naughty guys. But Facebook, you shouldn't have let them be naughty, or you should have forced them to do all the naughtiness by themselves, which would have made it very, very, very much harder for them to have the reach and the influence that they did.
0: Um, So this year, we wrote a fair bit about targeted ransomware. Sophos Labs released some research into the Samsung ransomware family.
2: And recently, we just, uh, Mark, who can't be here today, wrote a piece on Naked Security about Reelk that the ransomware is named after. It's some Japanese manga character who's known in English as Death Note. Death Note. So that's a pun, I guess, like a, a rather cruel pun. But <laughs> the, the note you get from the ransomware is like is the, death the death of, death of your data. Of course, yeah. But you're right. Yeah, and there's targeted ransomware where the crooks don't mail out a million copies of the ransomware and hope that thousands of people click on it. They find a list of companies that they know they can break into and infect and scramble hundreds or thousands of computers at the same time. And instead of asking for a thousand bucks a go, they ask for, in the case of the Samsung guys, they're typically around 50,000 US dollars per incident. And with REOC, the number can go even higher. I think they go up to like, you know, 80 to $170,000. They're in a position to squeeze you harder because the they haven't just encrypted some of your computers that you might be able to manage with. They've basically slammed your business into the wall by encrypting as many computers as they can within a few seconds or minutes. So unfortunately, a lot of people who, if they got hit here and there by ransomware, would probably go, I'm not paying, find themselves between the rock and a hard place and stuck having to do a deal with the Death Note devil, as it were. Mm. And Samsung
1: ransomware, well, one thing we've seen a lot of um, with the likes of Samsung ransomware and other ransomware is, is the way in which it gets in tends to be via some sort of open service that you've got revealed ex- externally to the Internet. And the most common one that I've seen has certainly been RDP.
2: That's Windows Remote Desktop Protocol.
1: Precisely. So, And that's
2: the thing that basically it lets you log into a Windows server from outside, and it almost puts you in the server room at the console. There seem to be a lot of companies that opened that pinhole once, so some outside IT guy could help them in an emergency, and then kind of forgot about it forevermore.
1: And as we know with the likes of Windows servers and Windows, um, Windows hosts, if they're attached, if they're attached to a domain, lots and lots of users are allowed to log into that computer, log into that remote desktop service. Yeah. Um Now, there are some measures that you can take with the remote desktop to only allow a few users. So if you are going to reveal RDP externally, consider other things as well Is the advice that we've been giving people. Consider things like VPNs into that device. Yeah. Consider
2: things like two-factor authentication when you're logging into it. And of course, if someone can get in and targeted ransomware you, then they can certainly get in and put in a keylogger. They can certainly get in and put cashpoint malware in there. They can put you in a Starwood Hotel situation, can't they, where actually instead of ransomware that descends like the fires of hell on your whole network in three minutes at 2 a.m., you suddenly realize that, oh, golly, Everything I've typed for the last three years has gone off to someone I don't know and will probably never find. So that that's when you
1: end up, end up disclosing that you've lost 50 million accounts or potentially have lost 50 million accounts because they've been. You mean been 500 audited, million? Or 500 million, sorry, <laughs> yeah. is that? Oh, it's, you know, just a, 50, 500. Just a- yeah, there's no way that you can possibly know how many of those that they've logged and kept. As if they've had a keylogger on that account for that long, then there's the chance that they've got the access to every account that's gone through that
2: system in that period. So of I time. think sort of what we're saying in a in a roundabout way is that targeted ransomware shows a that the crooks are adaptable, and they'll take the same threat, exactly the same threat with exactly the same technology. They don't have to invent new exploits and they'll just deliver it differently in a way that we weren't expecting. And also that in a way that what targeted ransomware teaches us is there's much more to cybersecurity than ransomware. And if you've been fixated on ransomware because it it is like the fires of hell descending on your network, you're probably not looking at the problem correctly because you're focusing on one tiny bit of it instead of trying to solve it holistically. I meant that to be a question, but it sounded a little bit like a sermon in the end. So <laughs> here endeth the second lesson. <laughs> we
0: were going to finish on some tips as well, weren't we? Security tips for everybody. Well, I I
2: want them to be alliterative. You know the one I'm going to start with, pick a proper password. Pick a proper password. Pick a proper password. I I don't have rhymes like this for my tips. Because lots of people still think it's okay to use the name of their cat because kind of their account's not very important. It's okay if you
0: put like one or an exclamation mark after it, isn't it?
2: The crooks have figured that out, mm-hmm. and every password-cracking and password-generating program I've ever seen, if you feed it a dictionary list, it knows how to do the most common modifications of dictionary words, adding one, adding two, adding 99, adding an exclamation point. Yeah,
1: so, so any algorithm that you're using for your password is there to be broken. If you look at the how the Enigma <laughs> machine was cracked, it was cracked because of... A regular use of certain words they were able to see certain words that we use the same and it's the same for passwords if you're using uh, if you're using facebook one for your mm-hmm. facebook password and then twitter one for your twitter password if somebody gets access to one or more of your passwords they'll know the
2: every single password to every account that you've got for a password when you try and apply those rules to make it seem more random all you do is make it much less random and a password manager doesn't follow those rules. It goes, I'll generate 26 characters and the chance that a crook will guess them is pretty jolly small. And the other thing that password managers do is they can do that for every single website you have a password for and they can remember exactly which website goes with which password, which makes it less likely that you will be fished.
0: What's the second tip?
1: The second tip is to use multi-factor authentication lot. Prefer 2FA. It. I've got the P in yourself. Ah, prefer 2FA. <laughs> so pick
2: up a proper password and prefer 2FA. I like to say 2FA, right? It's become trendy to say MFA, multi-factor authentication, you as though we're going to need factors. three or four. <laughs> and you can't help but think maybe there are some people who've, who've sold second-factor tokens are going damn, now we're done. Like, now we what we need is we need to convince them they need three, and then they will go for four and five. So I get the idea of calling it MFA, not 2FA. But the main idea is you'll have a username, you'll have a password, and typically you'll then have a one-time code that changes every time that's generated in some unpredictable way. So if the crooks do get your password, it's still no use without the... The code and in an ideal world the second factor it gets calculated or generated by a device that's physically independent from the one you're logging in on
0: what's tip three does it begin with a p
2: yes it does of course it does (laughs) and i thought long and hard about this um protect your privacy as matt you presented in the glorious series of advent videos that you've been doing on Twitter, which I dearly love. They're so great. Good. Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Take care before you share, which is really about when you take a photo of someone at the Christmas party. If somebody in the photo says, you know what, I'd really prefer you not to post that, then don't go, Ah, oh, what do you know? It's like my photo. Be nice to them and, and value their privacy. And if you think that way about other people's privacy, you'll start looking out for your own privacy as well, which means... Going and reviewing your Facebook settings, turning off location on your phone when people don't need to know where you are. Why give the data out? If it's not there, it can't be collected. I um, th-
1: think you'll be able to send an email to your friends at some point that says GDPR requests that you reveal any data that you have on me. Please delete any of that in- instantly.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I think I'd quite like to of my quite, Facebook could, photos removed. Yeah, yeah. as what I hear. <laughs>
2: So if you haven't seen those videos go and look at, at Naked Security on Twitter or on Instagram. I think they're jolly good fun. You'll recognize them because they got holly all around Matt and they uh, are fun. They are they are good clean fun but with a serious message because sometimes people don't like being lectured to. They like being told a message that's a, that's a bit easier to digest and has Matt dusting his gangster moves. <laughs> I I'm semi-professional gangster
1: mover. It's a small-time, part-time hobby. Oh,
2: <laughs> you're such a gangster! You—it's just my mum on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> <You've> Gotta <laughs> to <tone> down. <laughs> yeah, you need to up.
0: No, on.
2: seriously, they're great. They're, they're, they're a great view. Those videos, and uh, they typically about fifteen seconds. None of them are longer than thirty seconds. We hope that you already know the message, but you'll use the videos. As a reason to go and pass the message on to the next guy.
0: Great, right. I think that's about all from us this week and this year. Um, Duck, you're going to put all the you can put all the articles that we've talked about if people want to read more in the show yes, notes. I can. Thanks to Duck and Matt, and thanks to you all for listening. Please rate and review our podcast if you like us. It helps to boost us in the charts and allows other people to find us. You can tweet us at Naked Security or you can email us at tips at sophos.com. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time,
2: stay stay secure.